Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. I love Nicodemus. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he's one of those people that that looks at the world and says, now I've been told it's supposed to work this way, but this is actually what I'm seeing. And what he's seeing is Jesus welcome and inclusion and healing and the things that he knows must mean that God is present with Jesus. And yet at the same time, Jesus is not following by the rules of religion and by the institutions of the day. And Nicodemus is trying to figure it out. Nicodemus is in a moment of what I would call deconstruction, where all of the ways, the things that he had constructed his belief around are falling apart. And he's trying to, to, to figure out what actually is true. This word deconstruction was um, first used um, by Jacques Derrida, a French philosopher who was doing philosophy uh, in the wake of World War II, where so many postmodern philosophers were asking themselves if, if the country with the best science and the best theology and the most ordered way of being in the world, this, this wonderful country of Germany, if, if they, the Holocaust can happen there, then how do we understand how we know truth? And truth must not be a set of propositions. Truth, they began to think, might be a set of questions or a journey of questions. And that we discover truth not by constructing belief, but by deconstructing it because it takes us deeper and deeper and deeper. And what Derrida and others said is there's actually a joy in that kind of deconstruction. There's a joy in going deeper and learning new things. Many of us know what that deconstruction is like because many of us were given a faith that was really about, are you in or are you out? Do you believe this or you don't? Is it true that there's a hell or not or a heaven or not? Is the Bible without error or not? Should you baptize babies or not? Is institutional religion itself valid or not? Should we homeschool or not? Do we think homosexuality is biblical or not? Are women allowed to be pastors or not? Did Jesus die on the cross to save us from our sins or not? Did the resurrection literally physically happen or not? So many questions that mark you as in or out, orthodox or heretic, believer or unbeliever. And Jesus refuses to give Nicodemus an answer. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. 
The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus takes Nicodemus's request for answers and gives him a mystery. He asks him to be born again. Not born again, I don't think, in the way that we've always thought born again means. Born again by continuing to learn, by be continuing to be open to the Spirit, by continuing to ask questions over and over, by continuing to recognize that we don't hold all of the all of the market on the truth. We don't understand it all, so we're constantly being born again. That is the participation in the kingdom of God. That is what allows us to be open to what God is doing in the world. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? Yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. You see, the kingdom of God is pretty obvious when you're willing to look for it. When you're not so locked down in your beliefs or your dogma or the way that the world should be, that you can't see what is often right in front of your face. For me, I, I believe that, that this is what our faith is. It is a conversation. It's not about the right answers. It's, a, it's not a set of beliefs. It's a conversation that, that engages our soul, a conversation that breaks our heart, a conversation that challenges our deepest beliefs with mysteries that we could never fully write into a faith statement. It's a conversation that holds us when we are children, when we are in our midlife, and when we are preparing to die. It's a conversation that never ends because our conversation partner is a mystery that cannot be contained or codified or corrupted or controlled. And what breaks my heart over and over, I just had a conversation with someone today about this again is that we weren't given a faith that allows us to ask those questions, to do that kind of deconstruction, and therefore we weren't given a faith that, that is truly fit for soulful human habitation. We have been told that we have to choose whether or not to stay open to the world or closed in the system of belief. And so we agonize over over how we can love someone whose lifestyle or choices or identity does not orient with what we were told the Bible says. Our stomach turns when someone says that a Jewish coworker is going to hell because they don't confess the name of Jesus. Our breath catches in our throat when a beloved uncle or aunt conflates Christianity with nationalism. All of this doesn't sit right and for good reason. Because none of that has resonance with the Jesus of the Gospels, with the trajectory of the scriptures, and with the, this God of mystery, the spirit that Jesus revealed and invited Nicodemus into. 
And now we get to the verse that uh, so many of us have heard for so long. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And we've used this verse as a formula for many years, but I don't think it's a formula at all. If it is a formula, it's a formula for this, that by believing, by placing our trust in, by having faith in this mystery that holds us, that is bigger than us, when we can do that, then we participate in the life of the kingdom. We participate in a life that has an eternal quality about it. We participate in a life that is about more than just this moment and what we can see. It's, it's that life of, of faith and constantly discovering and asking questions, deconstructing, releasing, letting go of our attachments. That is where eternal life is found. Not in not in unlocking some mysterious key that exists in eternity that gets our name written in some book that lets us in or keeps us out. Because it goes, he goes on and says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but nor that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him, whose trust in him is not condemned, does not participate in that condemnation. But whoever does not believe, who does not place their trust in this bigger mystery is condemned, is, is, is not able to participate in the eternal life because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. This is a hard conversation, and I'll be honest, I've uh, recorded the sermon about 10 times at this point because it's so difficult to explain and to deconstruct the things that so many of us have been taught. But hear me when I tell you this, that, that what faith is meant to be is meant to be participating in this larger conversation, in this series of, of deconstructions that we all go through in our lives that don't come to, to ruin our faith or don't come to, to close us down, but are invitations to open up more and more into the Spirit of God, and that the life of faith is a life of continually placing trust, not in something that we, we can fully understand, but in something that is bigger than us, that we know is there and we, we can see and sense, but we can't always explain or hold. For John, one does not have faith, rather one believes, says Lindsay Jodry. Faith is something that you do. It's a muscle that you exercise. It's not a disembodied or inactive faith. Jack Caputo is an a American philosopher who is, a, I believe, a Catholic Christian who is asking questions about postmodernism and deconstruction has been asking them for a long time. He wrote one of my favorite books called What Would Jesus Deconstruct? A book I can definitely recommend to you. But let me close with a quote from him. Who am I? I am one who finds his life a question, whose life is always being put in question, 
which is what gives life its salt. We seek, but we do not find, not quite, not if we are honest, which does not discourage the religious heart, but drives it on and heightens the passion for this is one more encounter with the impossible. What if we saw our life of faith that way? Just one more encounter with the impossible after the other. We may and we must have our opinions on the subject. We must finally reach a judgment and take a stand about, about life. But my advice is to attach a coefficient of uncertainty to what we say. For even after we have taken a stand, we still do not know who we are. But God does know who we are. God knows that we are the ones who are loved by God. God welcomes our questions in the night and invites us always, every day, every moment to be born again. document that shows what I think I made up to tell me what I should do and hope it turns me in the direction of you I'm facing all of my fears I've lined them up and wonder how I've been with them for years they had me crippled before they made a home in my heart, but they're not welcome anymore. Welcome. 